Welcome to another episode of Wall Street Meat. What are we talking about today? Deflation. Talking about deflation. Because you wanted to talk about deflation because it coincides with our inflation. Yep. yep. So let's hear it. Let me hear your argument that we're going to have deflation. Because to be honest, I don't think we're going to have deflation. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good question. I mean, I, I can't speak with certainty about it, right? We can only speculate. But my thoughts on deflation is that... <clears throat> I think if we have deflation coming up here soon in U.S. dollar denominated assets, right, assets, prices in the U.S., I think we're going to have deflation. But if and if we do have deflation, I think it's going to be just a temporary thing until inflation hits. I think it's going to be something like that. And the reason I say that is because the money's running out, right? The unemployment's eventually going to run out the uh what is it the, the 400 per week payments there's not going to be much more stimulus checks and then eventually prices are going to have to come down in the short run but i think then once uh once there's still all those dollars in circulation eventually the 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 extra money supply chasing fewer goods is gonna is gonna catch up i think deflation is possible but only in the short run and I think that's what a lot of other guys are saying right now, right? Like, there's this guy, uh, he's a big gold bug. His name's E.B. Um, have you heard of this guy? E.B. something. He's on Kitco News. And he was saying something along those same lines. Like, inflate, deflation can come, but it's going to be short-lived. But I, I'm worried that you're confusing the short-term deflation with just people reducing their prices to attract more customers to try and drive up business. You know, that's not really deflation per se, because I, I don't see how we can have deflation when there's so much money in the money supply right now. Yeah. Stimulus is running out, but that's, that's only because people are spending it. Now there's so much money in circulation, you know, because there's so much money prices, are, are maybe going to go down, but I think they're more so going to go up because there's more money chasing it. So people can charge more for it. You know what I'm saying? Because, because I, the federal government has, has just since 2008, you know, we've had QE going on for the last 12 years now. It's just, we have so much money in the money supply that I, I just can't see how we can ever have deflation out there. It's going to be a deflationary pressure let's say, because businesses are going to lower their prices. That's not deflation because of, because of a money. So okay. I, think, I think it's more of an economic pressure, right? Because businesses are going to finally be able to reopen. They're going to want to tr attract people. So yeah, they might do blowout deals and, and stuff like that to, to try and attract more people to, to recoup what they've lost for the last six, eight months. Yeah, and that would be, and I agree with you, that would probably just be a temporary measure because I think also <clears throat> the powers that be have every interest in, in staving off deflation as much mm -hmm. as possible because we are so debt-ridden debt now and company, whether it's companies, corporate, uh, uh, the government and personal consumers, we're so debt-ridden. So I think deflation would just be, uh, it would be the plague from hell for everybody. Right. You know, and that's that's tough times we live in because deflation is a good thing. Right. A Texas Instruments calculator bad. for. OK, right. But for the consumer, for quality of life, I guess we could argue. Right. But 
technology. A smartphone used to cost 500 bucks. Now it's basically free. A Texas Instruments calculator from my dad. He was a, a gr agriculture chemist, right, in Moses Lake. He had a Texas Instruments calculator. It was 280 bucks. His company paid for it. Now that thing costs $9, right? I mean, and it has 10 more buttons on it. So deflation is a win-win for a lot of things, for a lot of people in a lot of industries. But now just based on the, you know, the over-leveraging we have, I think deflation, even if it does come, it'll be short-lived for all the reasons you've said. And also I think the government would just not allow it. They're going to, they'll crank up the printing presses more. And didn't right. Jay Powell even say something along the lines of, you know, like, um, we talked about this in the last episode, like we're going to go 2% average and that it's retroactive. So, I mean, right. they're, yeah, means... they're not expanding on what that really means. So people are just kind of interpolating what it, what it means, but their, their, their balance sheet has tapered off and even gone down a little bit over the last couple of months. But yeah, if we have another economic downturn or something comes up the printing press is just going to turn right back on. And th that's why I don't think we'll ever have deflation because they're just going to, they, like you said, they don't want it to happen. So they're just going to print to no end to, to make sure that we don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that. I, I have no doubts about it, especially just from the, from the government debt uh, perspective as well. Like, uh, you know, maybe they want to, they want to keep corporations afloat. They don't want their debt to be more expensive because right. Deflation makes the, the debt more expensive, but just everybody, everybody had, they have an interest in, in, in not, in not allowing deflation. I think the government would be, it would be suicidal, right? If they didn't step in and, and stave off deflation. I mean, the government of all people has huge debts and the debt payments are going to get even bigger. So if they became more expensive, that would just be hell. Hell. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to organize this, but <clears throat> so I found this article. I thought that was pretty interesting because we haven't really had deflation since um the 30s and back then yeah. they tried to explain you know why why we had a deflation and what was causing deflation and you know keynesian theory and all that type of stuff even he saw that the great depression um the solution was to stimulate the economy through a combination of two approaches reduce interest rates and government investment into infrastructure well we're already at low interest rates. We have been for, for years. So we've already kind of done that and they're trying to increase the infrastructure. So they're trying to do all that type of stuff. So, I mean, even back then what they were targeting to try and do for the Keynesian side was exactly what we've been doing and what we're doing now. I mean, we're already kind of doing all the things that, that they're talking about that should be done to prevent inflation. So it's either going to, we're going to have drastic inflation and it's just going to turn up on its head and we're not going to be able to stop it because we're already doing the things that they think should be done to stop it. Or it's just never going to come to fruition. I see. I see. So what about this approach? Number two, government investment and in infrastructure. Is that, is that something, is that like a back pocket option, right? If, if deflation does hit. So you're saying we've already, we're, we've already exhausted uh, approach number one, we're already at zero interest rates, um, reduced as much as possible. I guess we could go negative, but, uh, what about approach number two? Is that what, is that, is that like a, a new deal kind of thing? Is that what we can expect? Well, they're kind of already doing that now with the stimulus checks and, and people hoarding money because they don't know what's going to happen. 
all that type of stuff. So um, I think all three of those, you know, financial theories are, are in process today. Wow. Wow. I have a quick question about approach number one, though. Uh, zero interest rates. <clears throat> if we go negative, what does that do? Is that a, a deflationary pressure? Is that an inflationary? I think, yeah, from everything that I've read or understand that, yeah, if we have negative rates, that's a deflationary type of aspect. And that's, I think, why they're trying to avoid it. I mean, look at all the countries that have gone deflationary. You know, they're saying Japan is got a chance of becoming a deflationary economy because wow. they have negative rates. So I have some relatives in Denmark, and I think Denmark and uh, Germany are one of the few countries in the European Union uh, that have negative interest rates. And in Denmark right now, uh, my third cousin, he was telling me that the safe deposit boxes are totally full. They're expensive to get your hands on because what people are doing is they're taking money literally out of their account in cash and putting it in the safe deposit box hmm. because to have the cash in your account, it's a, it's like the white elephant theory, right? It's, it's cumbersome. It's costing you money. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a side effect beyond the deflationary stuff we're talking about right now, but uh, yeah, it's, I hope we don't have to get to that. Well, that stems to a bigger problem, right? Because eventually they're going to want to go no paper currency and everything is going to be electronic. You know, they're already trying to push that way by paying with your phone and all that type of stuff. I mean, what are you going to do if we hit a deflationary, you know, time of period and you can't pull out money, which money is, is worthless anyways. But for the fact that you now can't do that anymore, or can't hoard, you know, back in the great recession, you know, people were hiding it under their mattress. Well, for all electronic, you know, then we're even more screwed. And you're locked into the, the negative interest rates. You can't take out cash. You can't put it under your mattress. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, despite all the other out. arguments. Yeah. And we're not even touching all the other arguments like privacy and all that stuff. We're just talking about from saving your money uh, from the government. It's probably not even. Yeah. If we go electronic. You're screwed. There's yeah. nothing you can and do. There's already countries that are targeting to do that. And I think India is targeting to be completely cashless society. So yeah. that's that's kind of scary in general too. So, and that's where, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about, you asked me about cryptocurrency, you know, that's where the, the future could be there. So, but, and, and you always talk about gold and, and gold is a, a great hedge against both of these aspects, inflation or deflation. You know, that's something that you can always pull out and hide under your mattress. Yeah, no. And there's that physical aspect to it that cryptocurrency doesn't have. And obviously I don't want to piss off a bunch of crypto people because they're crazy. They're religious, but I mean, <laughs> There's a guy I really like, and I've, we've talked about him a few times, Jim Rickards, and he says, what's the, what's the best cryptocurrency, right? He says, it's the US dollar. It's the best. It's the most stable cryptocurrency out there. So, yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's Just digital. So. Yeah. Last time we talked about kind of a, an investment strategy to hedge against inflation. What if deflation hit, right? What if we, what if we go down the path of Japan? What are Japanese guys doing? You know, what would we do? What kind of, what's an investment uh, strategy if prices just plummeted across the board, if deflation well, came? If we're deflationary, I mean, you're not going to want to be in, in government bonds because those are obviously going to be negative, negative yielding at that point. So, yeah. um, I mean, and, that, and that's why the stock market is, would be, you know, your best bet for as far as that, if we have, you know, deflation, it's going to kind of hit everything hard, but 
there really is no, as far as I know, there's no hedge against a deflationary period because if it's true deflationary, there's everything's going to be going down in prices. You know, real estate will have an impact. Um, goods will have an impact. You know, gold should be impacted too. The dollar is going to be impacted. So I'm really not sure if there is a hedge against deflation. And, and since we've never really had deflation that often over the years, you know, since the 30s, there's really not a whole lot of data, especially in now time days. That sorry, today's day and age, there's no um, kind of track record to to base it off of. You know, people always say you go off of history, you go off of experience, things like that. Well, there's really nothing out there to say. So it'd be kind of the wild west when it would come to investing. Unknown territories. Yeah. Unknown territory. Okay. Kind of like every time we hit all time highs in the stock market, it's unknown territory. You know fundamentals have been gone for a long time in, in the stock market. So we're in unknown territory even right now. That's crazy to think about. That's crazy to think about. Why, why is that? Why are we abandoning the, the, the basic uh, metrics on stocks now? You know, why are people ignoring PEs and stuff like this? Is it just because it's a FOMO? Is it FOMO, right? Is it, you know, this fund manager, you know, Tesla's going up for no reason and he keeps buying it. But if the other fund manager doesn't buy it, he's underperforming relative to his peers. Is it stuff like that or what are the reasons? I think it's more because of access. You know, back in the day for how many years, you know, it was only the regular people who could invest and they, they followed the fundamentals. They did those type of things. Now any Joe Blow can get into the stock market. They can open a, you know, Robinhood account. They can open, you know, yeah. a cheap TD Ameritrade account and they can just, play around, they can do whatever, you know, they can do it themselves. And it's, it's so inexpensive now that people are just buying things to buy things, you know, fear missing out. That is a big play in what the retail investor does in the market. So I think access has a bigger, bigger, you know, standpoint to why the market is, is frothy and, and has the movements that it does. Yeah, I guess it is, it is unknown territories. And I think maybe I'm just trying to wrap my head around all the financial commentators out there. You know, everybody's got an agenda. Some guys are pushing Bitcoin assets, right? Gold and all that stuff. And I think maybe they wouldn't admit it, but they want inflation because that means something's going to pop in their whatever asset class that they're pushing. And if it's deflation, I think you hit the nail on the head. Everybody's going to be affected. Nobody wins in that, yeah. in that situation. So, well, and I, I, just I don't, mean, people don't want to talk about it because they're, yeah, they don't know how to react. They don't know what to do. They don't know anything about it. So, well, right. And I think the other thing, though, is who wins in a deflationary environment? Actually, I don't think it's much of the investors or the speculators. It's going to be it's going to be the middle class, right? It's going to be the consuming, the the guy who saves money, the guy who has uh, the guy, the guy's quality of life is is improved when credit, prices go down. Well, yeah, people with a lot of credit, right? If you have you know, because you can buy stuff. So if you're going to be zero or negative interest rates, you can take out even more money and buy more stuff, you know, or get more things, more assets. So credit side usually wins in deflation. The, the debt side doesn't win. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The credit side, right. So stagflation, what's that? Is that when we hit a, is that when we have deflation or is that when we have inflation and no economic growth? That's stagflation, right? So stagflation is recession inflation situation when interest rates are high, the economic growth rate is slow, 
and unemployment remains steadily high. And the interest rates are also high. Yeah. Is that okay? Which we're so it's kind of like high interest rates in forever. So, dude, let's go back to that diagram from Keynes. You said there's an option one. What was the option two? Was there another option two on there? You said that you had a second slide. I showed all three. I only saw one slide. Hold on. This one. Uh, no, I didn't see this. View the cause of the Great Depression as a fall. So we're not, you know, we don't have a fall. So we have a rise. You know, so the only reason that we'd have a fall then is if people start, you know, the, the velocity of money or, or the, you know, M1, M2, people start hoarding it in their, like it says on the bottom, bank accounts and things like that. And, and I just don't see people doing that. I mean, we're not a society anymore that, that hoards money. They, you know, Americans or, you know, people just spend money like crazy. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. And we don't have any, I don't think our society now has those, um, uh, we don't have that kind of, we don't reserve, we don't, we don't have that conservative mindset about uh, saving money because we, we expect that the government and uh, the social fabric uh, safety net will save us. So I think back then it was kind of all, you know, people were on their own. It was a different situation back then. Mm -hmm. But we're saying, he's saying here that Milton Freeman viewed the cause of the Great Depression as a fall in the money supply. Um, hmm. Wasn't Milton Freeman, uh, wasn't he a libertarian? Wasn't he a free market Austrian economist? He wasn't a Keynesian, as I understand. He wasn't so a Keynesian, yeah. So he's saying now that the cause of the Great Depression was a fall in the money supply. But this is kind of taking out of context. Like, I don't think he was endorsing uh, an increase in the money supply. Maybe no. what, he's, what he's, right? He's probably saying it should have never, that increased money supply probably shouldn't have existed to begin with. So we didn't have this boom and bust cycle that we do now. Well, in this one, so. he's just saying that, you know, at the bottom, you can see he's just talking about people hoarding the money. So the, the money supply that was already out there diminished because people were hoarding the money. I mean, if you think about it, you can kind of relate it to right now, we have a coin shortage, you know, people are hoarding coins for why I have no idea, you know, but so, I mean, that's, that's a way that our money supply has diminished because people are, are hoarding coins. So there's one argument for deflation, you know, but if we are so much more electronic than we were back in the day that, that it's hard to kind of hoard, really hoard the money. We're not going to be allowed to hoard. It's just not even going to be physically possible. You know, I wanted to say though, we were saying who wins and you said it's the guys, the creditors who win in deflation. Nobody's winning except the creditors. So with that, I guess we could say those are the guys with the dry powder. Those are the guys who win. Win, you know, the, the guys who have cash on the sides. Those are the ones who can win that deflationary environment and come and scoop up things on the cheap. Potentially. Well, because if, yeah, right. from the, if they're looking long-term, you know, depending on how long deflation lasts, you know, near-term, if, if deflation lasts, you know, 10, 15 years, nobody's going to win. What do you think about... Okay. What do you think about, wait, what'd you say? Don't point that thing. I was touching. Let's point your finger what in. do you think? Of, no, I was touching the screen. I had some, uh, some notification. What do you think about the taxes? Where are we going to go? Right. Where are we going to go? Uh, 
obviously by by the end of the election cycle i you know my hypothesis is that inflation or deflation something's going to kick off after the election right so how do you see that playing out for let's say biden in a biden win what do you do you get what, so let me rephrase, let me reframe the question because I want to be clear. This is a good segue into our next video where I wanted to talk about what's going to happen to our economy with depending on who wins the election or how the election pans out. That's my question. So do you see a different uh, outcome, uh, a different trajectory for the economy based on who wins the election? I mean, it's, the answer is probably obvious. And if so, which one for which candidate? So... Over the history, when there's a change in leadership, if there is a change this year, um, that typically has a knee-jerk reaction. But it goes beyond just the presidency. It also goes into who's running Congress, you know, who has control of the Senate, who has control of the House. So there's many different scenarios that have different outcomes, potential outcomes that could happen. You know, uh, in history, when it's a gridlock. So let's say you have the presidency, but you know is Democrat, but the House and the Senate is Republican. Well, there's not going to be anything done. So in history, markets have typically liked gridlock. So that's kind of a an option that's out there and, and available. But usually, there's a knee-jerk, you know, short-term reaction if there's a change in leadership as well. Okay. More on that in the next episode. Okay. Yeah. Cool.